0: Series called "What If." There's lots of ifs in our life, but but what if you changed one small thing? Last week we talked about Ed Catmull of uh, Pixar, and how there's tons of people who've gotten married because he started Pixar. They they met in his business and his organization, and 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 they got married, and they had kids, and he calls them the children of Pixar, and uh, but he also tells a tale of when he was just a child himself and his parents were driving through Yellowstone and they're going around a cliff and a car comes from the other direction and, and just about runs him off the road. He said it was merely but two inches from us and my family going off the cliff and Pixar would have never existed. But he said my dad made a one-inch correction has saved our lives. You know, in our lives, we all get the chance to make small corrections. And with this series, I'm hoping that you'll be able to do this in your life, that you'll be able to steer something uh, just one inch and make an eternal difference in your life. You know, if, if I were to start my car going straight and I made a one-inch adjustment before long, I would be miles and miles and miles Onto a different course than what I'd originally plotted or planned. And all it takes is a small correction in our life, small little corrections, small little changes in our life to take us to new places, to put our feet upon more solid ground, to to help us change the outcome of what our life is. It's one reason we're doing a weight loss challenge. And uh, Pastor Ryan wants to lose some weight, and the best way to be held accountable is It's just to stand here with you every week and lose weight. And so if you want to lose weight and get healthy with me, do it. We're all going to do it. Go out, eat whatever you want tonight. Tomorrow morning is day one of the rest of your life. And we're going to go out and we're going to do this thing this year. I have set my mind that I've set set way too many, way too many times I've just stopped the course right in the middle of the year. I'm not going to put the brakes on this year. I, I need change in my life. I don't know about you. But I need some things to change in my life. Somebody here needs some change in your life? Maybe it's not weight loss. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in some area, other area of your life. But we all need some kind of change. There's no one in this room that's perfect. Especially not me. I get up, I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like everybody else here. And so, small corrections. Now, we're going to do it the fair way. On this weight loss challenge, they're going to enter your height and all that, figure out body mass. They're going to do all the math, and, and so it's fair. And then the winner's going to get a prize when we're we're all done. And so they're going to enter in Sasquatch on mine, and uh, that's going to take care of all that. If you would, open with me Numbers 13 today. We're going to start with verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to skip to verse 21 so you can keep up. It says, so they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob. Toward Lebo Hamath, they went up through the Negev and came to Hebron, where Haman and Shesah and Talma, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built several years before zone in Egypt. And when they reached the valley of Eskal, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes, and two of them carried it on a pole between them pretty big cluster with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Esco because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off from there. You know, there's places in your life that name your future. There's places you come into life, these these god moments in life that you never forget. There's these places in your life where you you come to a certain territory or a certain place or a certain positioning in your life, and, and you name that place that you're in. And they said this will be known as the Valley of Eschol forevermore because of the cluster of grapes we got there, which represented God's provision in their life. It represented everything they'd been promised. It was everything they ever wanted, and they named it right there in that place. There's certain places in your life you can look back and say, if this was just a little bit different, I wouldn't be in 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 have this problem today, or I wouldn't be at this place in my life today. If this one little thing would not have happened, or there's some good times in your life, and think, you know, if I wouldn't have went back to Bible school like the Lord told me, I would have never met Pastor Jennifer. And, and so there's there's places of divine favor and grace in your life also, and you name those places. I named that place TBI. It's where I met my my wife and my bride and my everything. And uh, it was a good time in my life. Name it the place of sugar. I got me some sugars right there. But anyway, (laughs) it was a good place in my life. And at the end of 40 days, they all returned from exploring the land. And they all gave a report of what they saw. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community, Kadesh, in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them and to the whole assembly. And they showed them the fruit of the land. They showed them how good it was. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. It's everything the Lord told us it was. Here, here is its fruit. But the people who live there, there's always a but that keeps us from our promise. You might have some butts in your life that have kept you from promises. And, and, but we have to move on. And so they, they come to Moses and Aaron. And they said, it's everything you said it was. It's everything the Lord said it was. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. Large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Jeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. I love this part. And he said, we shall go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And see, it was all about perspective. It was all about ten guys' perspective versus the perspective of two young guys who had faith and believed that their God could do it for them. Let's pray real quick. Father, I just thank you for this message today. I thank you, Father, that you would change our perspective today. You let us see new things. You let us see things, Father, as though they are and though you want them to be. Not as we naturally see them, but what you've called for them to be in our life. I just thank you for our chief of police here in the city of Angleton today, Father. Chief Ashburn. I lift him up to you today, Father, as he's fighting cancer and going through chemo. And I just thank you, Father, that your hand would be upon his life today and that healing virtue would flow through his body, that he would not have one ill effect of what he's going through, Father. As a congregation, we lift him up, Father. He's a leader in this city. Touch him and heal him and let him proclaim how good you are. I thank you for grace upon his family right now, Father, as they fight this once again. But, Father, I thank you for the victory that you're giving him. I thank you, Father, what you want to do in a church this week, do it in this church. What you do in a town this week, do it in the city of Angleton, Father. Do it in the city of Pearland. Do it, in the, do it in the city of Columbia Lakes, Father God, and all the, all the surrounding cities in West Columbia, and, and, and Freeport, Father, and Clute, and Lake Jackson. Do it here, Father. Do it in our community. These things we pray, amen. And so today, I want to talk about we all have, well, I do. I don't know about you, but I, I think we all have big dreams, big visions, Big plans, big goals. And all of us have the same problem when it comes to our dreams and our plans and our, our visions and our goals. And it all boils down to this question What if we had wealth? What if you had wealth? What if you had money? And I want to talk about what the Bible says about today. I'm not preaching on tithing and offering. Don't don't close your ears because I said money. I'm not preaching on that day. I'm preaching to you for you today. And, and so, so I want to talk about you personally, your dreams, your plans, your vision. See, the the problem is big dreams and plans and visions. Well, they cost money. That's why we all want to watch The Apprentice. We all want to watch you. Each- you know, money, 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 money. We we listen to the theme song. You know, I bet somebody's even got that theme song as a ringtone. And, and because because we all need money for our plans and our visions. How I mean, you know, many? You can't retire if you don't have no money. You can't go snow skiing on two two cents. You can't do that. It's expensive to go on vacation. It's expensive to raise three boys. You can't go to HEB without $100 in your pocket. You can't. And so we got to be able to feed these visions and feed these goals and feed these things. What if you could afford to do everything you wanted to do in your life? Somebody said, that sounds like heaven. What, what if you could, though? What if you could do all these things? See, but the problem is 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, 70%. So if you live paycheck to paycheck, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad at all. 70% of America lives paycheck to paycheck. In fact, it starts when we're young. The average 21-year-old is $12,000 in debt here in America. The average 28-year-old is $78,000 in debt in America. Is that phenomenal? 28 years old, $78,000 worth of debt. The average student loan debt at graduation is $22,000. That's the average student loan debt. That's not counting the money they subsidized their education. That's just what they owe when it's all said and done. Before they even get the job, that's the ink, the red ink in their life, $22,000. Medical costs are up 57% in the last 12 years. Food and housing are up 34%. You know how much income in America is up? A lot less than all those numbers, 28%. The average household in America pays $1,300 in credit card interest a year. 50% of Americans do not have one month of savings in their bank account. Over half of Americans don't have a month of savings built up in their bank account. And you're thinking, well, I don't have that, Pat. Well, you're you're in the norm. It's okay. That's why we're that's why I'm preaching this message today. Because we have a, a pandemic or an epidemic or or whatever you want to call it. We have it happening in our country today. And, and the problem is we're we're up to debt, up to our eyeballs. And, and we have a debt problem in our country. We have a, it's an expensive just to make it problem in our country. I remember growing up, my mom didn't work. Most of my friends, their moms didn't work. Their moms didn't have to work. In today's society, it's almost impossible for a family to make it without mom working. Things have changed. We've changed our priorities. I remember in the day they said, well, you know, if we could, we could just have supercomputers, we could. everybody would have one on their own desk. Things would be so much faster. So We can make so much more money in less time. Did that help? No, we now work more hours than we've ever worked. In December of 2007, Americans had $12.37 trillion, $12.37 trillion in total debt and $839 billion in credit card debt. The total debt is expected by the end of 2016, which has already happened, this is an old poll I got This a couple months out. was expected to surpass those numbers of 2007. 35% of Americans owe $15,000 to credit card companies. 36% of Americans uh, have over at least $170,000 worth of mortgage loans. 29% of Americans owe at least $28,000 in automobile loans. million Americans, 19% owe student loans. 69% of Americans owe at least $140,000 to someone. We're all in debt. We all have financial issues. And so we look at our dreams like the spies looked at the promised land. It's incredible. It's what we dreamed of. It's what we want. We can't do it. We can't reach our promise. See, they had slave mentality was the problem with the tent. They had slave mentality of we can't own something that is ours. We can't have something that's been promised. Uh, We've been slaves for so long, all we know how to do is live day to day. You want to know why they had manna in the wilderness? It's because they had somebody else providing for them every single day. They worked all day, but somebody else gave them the wheat. Somebody else gave them the milk. Somebody else. And so God did the same thing. Here's manna every single day. He said, you're no longer going to need manna. I've got a lifetime of provision for you. All you have to do is walk into it. All you have to do is walk into it but they couldn't. As Americans, we chase survival rather than chasing our own dreams. There are things we'd love to do, but we can't afford. I don't know about you, but I got a bucket list. For some of you, your bucket list might be getting married. I've already checked that one off. Maybe it's having kids. I've done triple check that one off. Maybe for some of you, it's owning your own home, not being a renter anymore. For some, it might be buying a new car or just start a business for the very first time. Some of you said, I have dreams. I have visions that God's given me. I just I can't get there because i got a mountain of debt. I know I'm called to own a business. I know what the business is. I know what it looks like, Pastor. There's just this one thing that's in my way. Some of you said, I wish I could help the poor. I wish I could adopt some children. I wish I could go on a mission trip, Pastor. There's lots of things that we would do if we just had money. Ecclesiastes 10.19 says, money is the answer for everything. It's in the Bible. It says, and money is the answer for everything. Did y'all know that was there? Money is the answer for everything. Now, I'm not, I'm not one of these grab it uh, kind of guys. I believe you got to work for what you get. But at the same time, the Word of God says money is the answer for everything. Most people will never realize their dreams because of money problems. You don't have to be one of them. I'm trying to help you change your perspective today. We don't have to be one of them. We set our own course. You know, I I love the fact that we live in America. We live the American dream. Our founding fathers, the American dream was not us to be in so much debt that we could not breathe. That wasn't their idea. It wasn't what they had in mind for us. Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so He confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors, as it is today. God gives us the ability to produce wealth. You say, well, Pastor, I just work a regular job. How how, how can I do this? There's four powerful truths I want to give you today to help you realize your what if. First thing we have to realize is wealth is not evil. It's an ability that comes from God. Wealth and riches are a blessing from God. Anybody here have $100? You got a $100 bill on you? Give me a $100 bill. Now, that's trust right there. See, I just delivered her from a $100 bill. Now, I got a $100 bill right here. I want want to make a point to you today. This $100 bill, I can do lots of things with. I can do something good with this $100 bill. I can. I, I can do something good. I can bless somebody. I can give them McDonald's. I can... I can, I can do lots of things. I can feed my family. That's a good thing. I can do lots of stuff with this $100 bill. I could give it away to somebody in the audience right now. There's lots, there's lots of things I can do with this $100 bill. But I can also do a lot of evil with this $100 bill. I can you hear about crazy people on the news all the time trying to hire hitman, do all kinds of crazy stuff. You can do evil with this stuff. You can do whatever you want to do with this stuff. But is this evil? No, this, this $100 bill is not evil. There's nothing wrong with this. This $100 bill is just a mere piece of paper, it's just a tool. There's nothing wrong with it. We, we get caught up, with, you know, money's evil. Listen, there ain't nothing evil about this. It looks good to me. It looks real good to me. In fact, I'm going to give it away right now. Here you go, Janda. I'm going to give you $100. Don't say I never gave you none. Matthew 6:24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one or, or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, in the word of God, they're they're saying that you cannot serve God or money. So that means money has to, if it has some life to it, it has to have a spirit to it. See, there's a spirit in which we operate with our money. There's there's a good spirit we can use it for, and and there's evil stuff we can use it for. And, and, And the deal is, we become slaves when we spend money we don't have. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and here's the key. The love of of money. Anytime you love something more than you love God, there, there becomes a problem. There, there becomes an issue with it. Uh, there's not that the money's evil or, or the money's bad. It says, for the money, love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Some are never satisfied. And it's a spirit that they let come upon them. That It's never good enough. I never have enough. I'm never satisfied. I've got I've to be a slave to my money. I've got I, I to, gotta, you don't understand, pastor, unless I get that new boat. It's the end of the world, or unless I get that four by four I've dreamed of forevermore. There's nice four by fours that you can pay cash for, that aren't new. There's lots of things that we we choose to do if we want with our money. You're either in control of your money, or there's a spirit in control of you that says you have to have more of it, that you have to go into debt. That you, you I just can't. Live without that MK Purse, Pastor. It, it was, you just don't understand, it was on sale. It was only $399 instead of $599. You just don't understand. And it holds my It holds my blessings, Pastor. You know, a man, you know what men would do if another man said, Man, I bought me a $399 MK wallet today. We pray for you. There ain't a man in here that's ever spent $399 on a wallet. And if they did, they ain't going to say nothing right now. <laughs> but the deal is, we have the ability to produce wealth. But we get, we get this all confused with... With, with power versus ability. See, there's a difference between power and ability. Power is, power is like you either have it or you don't. You ever met a superpower that had no superpowers? You ever met a country that had no, yeah, I'm not a country, but uh, you ever met a man who was a superman that had no powers? You ever met that guy? You guys have superpowers to, to be superman. You can't do it without superpowers. And not everybody has superpowers. Not everybody has powers or power. Power just seems like you either have it or you don't. But ability is different. I've met, I've met people with ability and they, they worked really, really hard and they accomplished their dreams because they worked on their ability. Ability is something I can learn and, and I can get better at. We have the ability to produce wealth. Produce doesn't mean that God doesn't just want to feed me. He wants me to be able to produce enough that I can be fed for a lifetime. God's goal wasn't just to give them manna every day. God's goal was for them to walk into a blessing with years and eternal blessings for their family. I mean, a land that would go on for generations and generations and generations. Producing well. I know a lot of, I, I deer hunt. And as a deer hunter, I've leased a lot of land in the, over the years in the hill country. And I know a lot of people who own 2,000 acre ranches. And these 2,000 acre ranches they live on are worth millions of dollars. But they live in a $50,000 house. And, and they drive an old beat up pickup truck, and if you met them, you would think they were worth $5, and they just live, and they're happy as all get out, but all they'd have to do is sell their land, and they'd be a multimillionaire, but it's not what makes them happy. They, they have land, and they know that that land, they put cows on it, they put stuff on their land, and they have the ability to produce wealth through their land. See, you have different abilities. Some of them I don't even have. But you have an ability that God has given you to produce wealth in your life. He's given you an ability to make money. In fact, Thomas Edison, the inventor of, life, inventor of the light bulb, said this. He said, you want to hear this? He said, the problem is opportunity comes dressed is a overall in overalls and is considered hard work. You have opportunity in your life. It just it takes overalls or it takes work clothes and it takes hard work to get there. There's not a person in this world that's making or not a person in this room, I'm I'm supposed anyway, that that that's making millions of dollars. But there's some people in this room that have larger bank accounts than others and some people in this room don't make much more than other people in the room but their bank accounts are larger and why is that it's because they're they're more prepared to save they've worked harder and they've they've said i don't need this right now there's there's certain people in this room that would say pastor i'm not even making it right now and it's because we live beyond our means as americans we have to keep up with the guys next door or else we're not satisfied. There has to be something deeper within us. You have an ability to get wealth and I want to teach you how. We have a life team that's going to be starting which is Dave Ramsey. I don't know if you've heard of Dave Ramsey but we're going to start that this session. We're going to do Dave Ramsey and uh, if, if you're having problems saving money you're having problems getting out of debt. I promise you, we will find a solution to get you out of debt. We will find a solution to take you to your next place in life. Me and my wife, because of decisions we've made through the years, are completely debt-free right now except for one automobile. And I could write a check for it if I wanted to. It's not because I make a lot of money. But it's because of decisions we've made. It's because God has given me an ability to produce wealth, even outside of my normal job. Last year, I tithed off of more money than what I even made. I tithed more off of blessing than I did off of income, off of buying and selling and and, and doing stuff. We bought and sold houses over the years and, and land. I've never been connected to any one thing in my life because that one thing does not define me. Everything I have is for sale. It is because I'm not attached to any one object. Because I, I give God opportunities to bless me. If somebody wants to buy something I bought and give me more for it than I bought it for, it's theirs. I like those guys that run around with that spirit of I got to have that right now. I made money off of them for years. I worked I worked for years in, in the in the Customization business of your backyard. Building all of your dreams right there in your own backyard. I built swimming pools for years. And I watched people go get seventy-five and $100,000 loans to put in the waterfalls and the, and the, and the dive rocks and the, and the little jets that would squirt from the flower beds from one flower bed to the next and look pretty. And I did all that for years. I loved those guys. They'd say, they'd say uh, Ryan, I'm going to go the loan. I want you to build my pool. I'm going to go get a loan. I want you to build my pool. And I'd like, thank you, Jesus. Because God gave me the ability to produce wealth. What's it say? The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the, the righteous. Why is that in the Bible? There's wealth everywhere waiting for you. Are you righteous? I don't know about you. I consider myself pretty Righteous. I try really hard to serve God. Am I perfect? No. Ask my wife. She points out my flaws all the time. She's She's really sweet about it, though. Ryan, I just I wish you'd do this instead of that. She can make me feel about this big sometimes. Number three, this is an ability from God. He gives us the ability. You can't earn it, but you have to use it. It can't be bad because God only gives good gifts. Matthew seven eleven says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good, give good gifts to those who ask him? Number four, this gift is for you. You, you have the ability to produce wealth. Don't miss your opportunity because it comes dressed in overalls and looks like work. Don't miss it. Back to Acts 10, 34 through 35 says, Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favorites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open for you. It doesn't say this is just for rich people, blessings. It doesn't say that favors just for those who already have wealth. It doesn't say any of that. It says God is for you. God wants to do it for you. The problem is we don't allow him to bless us. We tie his hands. We see something. We buy it. We put it on a credit card. Average American paying close to $2,000 a year in credit card interest. That's not the bill. That's a lot of bill to pay that much in interest. We have to come to an, our place in, a, in our life where we realize if we want to see our dreams come true, we have to start budgeting. In fact, one of our, one of our, one of our parts of our series is Act Your Wage. So many of us... We see somebody else has it, and we're not where they are at in life, but we want it too. I haven't driven a new truck since I was 17. And at 17, I walked down into that man's office, and I had the cash to pay for the whole truck in my pocket, because my dad had taught me how to have hard work and how to, how to save money I had a Hardy Boy book on the, on the top of my waterbed, and I'd cut the pages out because I didn't like the book, and I put all my money in it every week, and I'd save that money, and I worked from the time I was 12 on, all summer long, every summer, I was my dad's personal slave, and I'd go out, and he'd pay me $5 a day, and I thought I was getting rich, and before long, I realized what all the guys around me were making. And at 8 years old, I learned how to operate a bobcat. And then at 11 years of age, I learned how to operate a traco. could. By the time I was 13, I could outrun that, any of those pieces of equipment versus anybody he had working for him. And I knew all of his guys made $12, $15 an hour, so we went into negotiations. Because <laughs> at, at a young age, I had the ability to produce wealth. And I knew when I was being taken advantage of. I told him, I said, Dad, I ain't going to operate any equipment for you this summer unless you pay me at least $8 an hour. He said, that's it? Deal. And uh, I did. I mean, I was running crew. At 14 and 15, I was running crews. His guys that worked for for him had to drive me, their foreman, onto the job. Because I learned quicker than they did. And I worked harder than they did. Because I had goals and I had aspirations. I was a young man. I wanted a new truck. Girls like new trucks. And at 17, I walked in that guy's office and I said, I want to look at this brand new truck. And the guy kind of laughed and said, How old are you, son? I said, I'm 17. I said, I don't want my dad to for, sign for any loans either, but he wants me to build credit, so I want a loan. And that guy said, you having credit? I said, no, he said, I ain't going to give you a loan. I said, I got cash. He looked at me and said, you ain't got enough cash. I said, I got enough to pay for that whole truck right now. I just want a loan on it. How much do I have to put down to buy it? And I threw $10,000 on his desk. Trucks were cheaper then than they are now. And... uh They went back and talked to the finance manager, and they said, you have to put $4,400 down to buy the truck. I gave him $4,400. I bought my first truck. And by the time I was in my young 20s, we'd bought our first house because I built credit because my dad taught me how to do that. Some of you are saying, well, that's not my life. That's not my dream, Pastor. Nobody ever taught me. I want to teach you. I want to help you. That's what... So what we're talking about the next few weeks is saving money, being responsible. You don't have to have the newest flat screen. Pastor Jennifer said, "Preach to yourself, brother." <laughs> and uh, you, you don't have to. You don't have to have that stuff. What you do have to have to produce wealth is 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 discipline. You ever heard it say, "Those who have money make money, or it costs money to make money." You have to set yourself up in this life to win. Anyone here can save money. I was 17 and I saved money. And don't think my dad took it. The minute I graduated from high school, if I wanted to stay at home, I had to pay $350 a week rent. I said, I can get an apartment cheaper, he said. He says, your apartment cook for you? Does your apartment do laundry for you? I said, I guess I'll stay here. It's not just for rich rich people. It's not just for other people. It's for you. I want you, I want our congregation, I want our people in this church to be blessed and to be debt free. There's something about being able to say, I owe no one. Now, I'm not talking about your house. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about baby steps here. Let's get rid of credit card debt. And Let's get rid of some car debt. And let's set up our people and our church to win," says in the Word of God. If you, it says, you're slave to the lender. You're slave to the lender. Doug, you have that scripture? Can you throw it up for me, real quick? It, It says, "You're slave to the lender." It's right at the front of my notes, I believe. Slave to the lender. I don't know about you, but I wasn't called to be a slave. I don't want no man to own me. And I promise you, that credit card company, that mortgage company, that loan company, they have something over on you. Because the minute you don't give them their money, they're coming for you. And they're going to take what belongs to you. I used to, uh, when I was building pools, they'd, they'd ask me, well, how's this pool loan work, Pastor? Uh, you know, or they'd say Ryan. I wasn't a pastor at the time. I said, how, how's this work? And if I, if I don't pay the note on my pool, you know, you, you can't repossess it, so it's just ours. And I'm like, no, we put your house on the line. We take it all. And I was very blunt with them. And, and that's how it works in life. They don't come just for your swimming pool. They come for a piece of you. And then they're going to tag you forevermore. They're going to tag your thing, this thing called your credit. And you're going to wear this badge around, whether you can see it or not, that says, I don't pay my bills. I, I I don't say, I don't say, I don't, my word's no good. Just as the rich rule the pool, so so the poor. So the borrower is a servant to the lender. Another translation says slave. Is a slave to the lender. NIV uses the word slave. God wants you to have wealth. There's twenty-three hundred verses in the Bible about money. Five times as many as prayer and faith. In fact, in the Gospels, one out of every ten verses deals with money. Two-thirds of the parables deal with money today. My question to you today is, what spy will you be? Will you be Joshua and Caleb and say, yes, we can do this. We can get out of debt. We can live the way God wants us to live. Or will you be one of the other ten? And say, you know what? It's too big for me to overcome. I can't do it. Well, I can tell you this. It says in my Bible that all things are possible. All things are possible to them that believe. Ephesians 3.20 says it like this. Now, glory to be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare ask or even dream. infinitely beyond our highest prayers desires, thoughts, or hopes. I don't know about you, but my prayers are pretty high. I've set set a bar that's pretty high in my prayer life. And and my goals are pretty high. And and he says, glory be to God, whose mighty power at work within us is able to do far more. I don't know about you, but I know what that, that word far means. Far more than what I could ever even dream of is what he wants to do for us. My question for you today is, do you believe that God is able? What if you were debt free? What if you didn't have no financial stress in your life? What if you did set your life up to win? What if you did all of these things? I'm going to take about five minutes longer than I normally take this morning. I usually have you out of here by now. Will you give me five minutes this morning? I want to recap the word that God gave me for this body last week. And I want to recap it real quick. I believe that we're in the seventh year. It's 2017. If you look up 17 in the Bible or the number 7, it's the number of completeness. It's the number of divine perfection. Perfection both physically and spiritually. I believe that God told me there's people in this place today that he wants to heal you. He wants to do new things in your body. He wants to do do new things in your life if you will let him. That's why I'm doing this series today. This series is for you. It's for this congregation. I believe that God wants to do something new in us. It's a year of perfection, a year of completion. What would be more perfect than tearing up all the debt in our life? What would be more perfect than knowing that we didn't have to live paycheck to paycheck? What would be more perfect than knowing we can trust God that he is beyond and he is able to do all the things that we've asked him to do? Last week I talked about Joshua 5, 2 through 12. And they make flint knives and they circumcise the sons of Israel a second time as they're entering into the promised land because they had to come back into covenant with God. Sometimes there's some things in our lives that we have to cut away that are no longer good for us. These children have been raised in the wilderness and their fathers and never circumcised them. They'd never done the things that God had told them to do. There comes a place in our life where we have to realize in order to walk into God's blessing, we once again had to be in perfect covenant with him. There's some things that we need to let go of in our lives as we walk into 2017. It's a new year. It's a new day. But you have to believe it's a new year and it's a new day. As they walk into the the promised land, verse 9, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I've rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. I believe that there's some reproaches in your life. There's some disappointing moments in your life. There's some things that have happened. said, Pastor, if this just wouldn't to happen, I believe he's rolling it away. They said they called that place Gilgal. I talked about naming that place in your life. The word Gilgal means to roll away, to set a, a will in motion is what it means. God wants to set some new things in your life in motion this year. But you gotta gotta let go of the dirtiness. You gotta let go of the things that have gone wrong. You gotta let go of all the all the disappointments that have happened in your life to walk into what God wants for you this year. This is what God has told me that's gonna happen for this house this year. You've gotta want it though. You've gotta say, God, I'm willing to peel off the old. I'll take off the things that have bound me and kept me from you. I'll take them, I'll take it off. We tend to define ourselves just like the devil does. And we say, you can never be worthy of this because you did this. Or you caught this. Or you have this. Or or the devil's done this to you. What's funny is in Romans 10, 9, and 10 through 13, it talks about if we admit our sins and believe and confess, he's faithful to save us. Saving doesn't mean keeping us bound. All we have to do is let go of it and let God, and he'll take it from us. We're the only ones that remember. We go back to Jesus and say, forgive me, Father. He says, what? I've already forgiven you. And we bring it back up over and over again. What kind of God would punish you continually for the same sin over and over again? Not my God. The only limits we have on our life are limits that we place on our life. Then he takes them into the promised land, the promise that they've been waiting for. And they go to Jericho. They've been marching for 40 years, round and round. Last thing they want to do is march again. And God says, go march around the city. One time for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march seven times with seven priests, with seven trumpets. It's the seventh year. And when the trumpets sound, you're going to shout, and the walls in your life and in that city are going to fall down. But they had the shout before the trumpet blew. I mean, they had the shout before the walls came down, when the trumpet blew. Sometimes we we hear the trumpet, and we hear the voice of God in our life. We hear the pastor on Sunday morning, and and he blows the trumpet for us. But he said, I want to see the walls fall before I shout. It's a season where you need to start shouting before the walls come down in your life. He wants to do something new for you today, but you got to have faith to walk in it. Some of you say, well, pastor, I've been marching what seems like forever. The Lord says, this is your seventh day with seven priests, with seven trumpets, and they're about to blow the horn. And when they do, shout, for the city is yours. When the Lord was giving me this word, he said, make sure you don't complain. Make sure you're not to be weary, make sure you're not to be caught off guard, but just be ready to run when the walls fall. Are you ready? 17 represents overcoming the enemy and complete victory. In fact, Jesus was resurrected on Nisan 17 in the evening time. Completion, it is finished. He is resurrected. It has all been won. All you have to do is walk into it and say, I receive it. What if you got free? What if you changed? What if?